0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: Jesus is holding everything together. And so, as those that are informed, those that know who Jesus is, those that are in relationship with the Lord, doesn't matter how chaotic things may look in our world, we gotta be convinced of the scriptures that God has got it in control. And that should impact how we speak, how we live, how we think, the level of anxiety that we have should be impacted by the fact that we know who's in control. We know that God has everything under control no matter what it looks like and what we're seeing.
0: Does it seem like evil is rampant on this earth? When you watch the news, do you grow anxious and uncertain of what the future holds? Today, Pastor Bill encourages us with the truth that no matter what is going on in this world, God is in control. We wonder what God is up to and why it seems like he is silent sometimes. Rest in the fact that he has a plan for us and we'll see it through for the good of his kingdom and his people. God is the same yesterday and today and forever and he has our future in his hands. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 10 as he begins his message, Bittersweet.
1: In chapter 10, there's a bit of a pause. The last study, chapter nine, God's wrath was being poured out. There were these demonic creatures that were let out of the bottomless pit and made their way to earth. And so something that we don't experience on the earth, we don't see demons. They can't come touch us. I hope you don't see demons, but they were unleashed on the earth and they could hurt men for five months. There's a period of time where death would take a a break, where men would want to die and death would flee from them. And we get a pause from the horrors of that to come to chapter 10. Now, I want to say this right up front. I've had people ask in reference to what's going on right now, the coronavirus and all this, like, isn't this the tribulation period? Isn't this what it talks about? And for you guys that have been studying Revelation with us, you know that this ain't nothing. This is nowhere near what the book of Revelation said is going to be coming. But I actually even had people ask, you know, so I I challenge them to go back and read chapter 6, through 19 of Revelation, and then you can come back and tell me if we're in a tribulation period. We are not. The tribulation period is a unique time on earth. Daniel said it would be the worst time ever, and there'd never be a time like it after it. And so that's what we're studying this morning. Now, as far as things that are bittersweet, because that's what we're going to look at in chapter 10, there are things where there's a positive and a negative in the same event. You know, you can have a, a kid graduating high school. Graduating high school is a, a celebratory thing. That's a, a good thing, a sweet thing. Uh, maybe the bitter part would be that they're no longer going to be with all their classmates and friends and, and they got to start all over. You know, It's kind of bittersweet. You know, If a believer dies, it's a bittersweet, sweet thing. For those of us that are left behind, when a believer dies, it's bitter. We're never going to see them again. We're going to miss them on earth. For the person that dies, they're going to be with the Lord. For them, it is sweet. For them, there's no sorrow, no suffering, no pain. They've gone to be with the Lord. And so, There are things that can be this way. And we're going to look at some of that in chapter 10. So look at chapter 10, verse one. It says, John speaking, he says, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet were like pillars of fire. Now, there's a lot of controversy over who this mighty angel is. There are many commentators that believe that this mighty angel is Jesus because of some of the uh, appearance, some of his appearance. It has similarities to some of the things we see of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1 and elsewhere, that he comes with the clouds and he's got the, the rainbow about him. However, it says explicitly here that this, I saw still another mighty angel. So I'm of the persuasion of the opinion that this is not Jesus. This is an angel, a mighty angel, how be it. Later on, this same angel is going to swear and he's going to swear by him who lives forever, who created all things. And so, you know, we know when God has to swear because there's no one greater than God, he swears by himself. So again, there's a few reasons why, but I don't believe this angel is Jesus, though he's a mighty angel and There are some great similarities. And this is one thing I recognize, that many times when God authorizes and empowers people in service, he gives his power. He gives his authority. And so this angel is given authority and power from God. John sees this mighty angel. He's coming down from heaven clothed with a cloud. A rainbow was on his head. We remember the rainbow was God's symbol that he would never again destroy the earth with a flood. And so his face was like the sun, his feet were like pillars of fire. Verse 2 said, he had a little book open in his hands, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Now, we'll talk more about that little book in a little while. Uh, It'll become the topic of the latter portion of this chapter. But when it says this angel had put one foot on the sea and another foot on the land, it speaks of authority. He's taking authority over these things. I have a a dog that he likes to put his foot on top of your foot or wherever you're at. He just wants to be on top of you because he's actually trying to assert his dominance. So if I put my hand down, he'll put his paw on my hand and I'll move my hand on top of his paw and then he'll put his paw back on top of my hand. And so he and I are fighting for who's, who's the alpha, who's the dominant. He's trying to have authority over me in that sense. The angel here... And putting his feet on these things and coming down in this way is is demonstrating that God has given this angel a certain amount of power and authority. I would say this about angels as we study them in Scripture. They have rank and power. Satan, before he fell, was a powerful angel. We learn in the Old Testament that Satan was the anointed cherub who covered So he was a cherub, a cherubim, he was a cherub, that was the type of angel he was, but he had authority over other angels, the anointed cherub that covered. Here, this angel not named, but has authority from God. He's got this little book in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Verse 3 says, "...and cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars when he cries out. Seven thunders uttered their voices." Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. Now, so far, everything that John has heard in the book of Revelation in this period of time, he's written down because that's what he was instructed to do in chapter one. At this moment, these seven thunders uttered their voices. John heard what they said And he went to write down what he was hearing, and a voice from heaven said, stop. Do not write that down. Now, there have been other times in Scripture where God sealed up something to be revealed later. Here, God just said, don't write that down. Seal that up. And so I think there's some important lessons to get from this. Number one, I'm amazed at the volumes of books that are written on what the seven thunders uttered. While John himself is told for this voice from heaven, we presume to be the voice of the Lord, he's told, don't write it down. It's not going to be revealed. But there are people that have figured it out, so to say. Now, I quote unquote figured it out. So I want to say this to us. We want to be careful about trying to know things that God has decided that we don't need to know. One thing, you know, the book of Revelation is revealing to us about the Lord. It's revealing to us about the person of Jesus. And one thing revealed right here is that there's still some things that we don't need to know. There there are mysteries that God has revealed and was glad to reveal to us. And then there's some things that God says, nah, they don't need to know that. Seal that up. It's not necessary. And so beware of trying to know what God has made not known. I want to remind us that Eve stumbled in this way. If you guys remember, Adam and Eve were the first created people in the Garden of Eden, and they had the perfect setup. You know I mean, Adam was serving God. God put him to sleep and made him a wife and married him in the Garden of Eden. They were in a beautiful paradise. They had a relationship with the Lord. Everything was amazing. And Satan came to Eve in the form of the serpent, and he told Eve, He said, Did God really say that you couldn't eat of all those trees of the garden? And Eve started to tell Satan back what she understood God had said that, well, God said we can eat all the trees except for that one tree right there. And then Satan says, you know what? God knows in the day that you'll eat it, you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. Now, I want you to note this. At this point, all Eve knew was good. Imagine living life and all you know is good. God has kept you from the knowledge of evil and told you not to eat from the tree that would expose you to the knowledge of evil. And Satan says, hey, you could, you could be like God, knowing good and evil. God's keeping something from you. And she fell into the trap. She saw that the tree, then after listening to Satan, was pleasant to the eyes and good for food and desirable to make one wise. And she took of the fruit and she ate. And as soon as she ate, she knew she was naked. She had to cover herself up. Innocence was, was destroyed. It was taken away. And so I just want to caution us that... If God has decided that we don't need to know something, we don't need to know it. If God is silent somewhere, we should be silent as well. We should not add where God has not given us anything to say. And so so here God tells John, seal it up. Do not say these things. So All we can presume that John took that to the grave, that whatever was uttered there. It wasn't necessary. It wasn't needful. It wasn't going to be beneficial to the plan of God for creation. And so He said, eh, still that up, not necessary. And so moving forward, verses five and six now, it says, Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it. And the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be no delay, that there should be delay no longer. Now, here's the other reason why I don't believe this angel was the Lord, because the angel swore by him who has created all things. We know that Jesus is one that created all things. If you're taking notes, it's in Colossians chapter one. I'm going to read you verses 16 and 17, where it says it's about Jesus for by him. All things were created. That are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. For he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And so this angel swore by the Lord, not by himself. So we're reminded here as we look at this that the Lord is the one that's created all things. Everything is under his power, everything is under his control. Even when things look chaotic like they do right now, we got to remember that he's the one that's created all things and all things are held together by him. And even if it looks like it's falling apart, it's not falling apart. Jesus is holding everything together. And so as those that are informed, those that know who Jesus is, those that are in relationship with the Lord, doesn't matter how chaotic things may look in our world, we got to be convinced of the scriptures that God has got it in control. And that should impact how we speak, how we live how we think. The level of anxiety that we have should be impacted by the fact that we know who's in control. We know that God has everything under control, no matter what it looks like and what we're seeing. And I hope that brings us peace. And I hope that brings us into a place of just being able to be comforted and trust the Lord. He's got everything under control. This is being spoken here. This is during the tribulation period, where if you think this is chaotic, people buying up all the water and the toilet paper and You know, hospitals being full, and this is a serious thing that we got going on. But if you think this is serious, the tribulation period is far worse. There's already been a a third of people have died, waters returned to blood. You know, all these things have been impacted worldwide. All we have going on right now, not to minimize it, I'm just saying, in comparison to what we see in the tribulation period, we have a a flu that is impacting a lot of people and, and it's passing quickly and rapidly in different places. But here, there's moments where just a third of people wiped out, boom, like that. Every third person you know, gone. We have never experienced anything like that. And it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse as we go on. So now look at the last part of verse 6. It says that there should be delay no longer. So the angel is letting John know that things are getting ready to move forward very rapidly from this point forward. So we're further along in the tribulation period. Even though we're only in chapter 10, we're toward the end. And from this point, things are going to move very rapidly as God rolls out the rest of his judgments, the rest of his wrath, the rest of God's going to bring things to a close from this point pretty rapidly. So verse 7, it says, but in the, the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants, the prophets. And so while... This interlude of chapter 10, we're waiting on the seventh trumpet to sound, the seventh angel to sound. And God says, and when he does, the mystery of God is going to be finished. Things are going to move forward rapidly from that point. And he says this, as God declared to his servants, the prophet. There's a reminder here that the things that we're reading in Revelation have been spoken before to prophets. God is reminding John here, I'm keeping my word. The things I told the prophets I was going to do, they're getting ready to roll out. Why it's so important as we as believers study the whole Bible, right? The Old Testament and the New Testament. It's all revealing to us, God, and, and, and it reminds us things about the Lord. As I look at the Old Testament and things that God told prophets that they had no idea what God was even talking about. These things are going to happen so far later in history, but God gave a word to these men and they recorded it. And we can go back and read it. And during the tribulation period, they'll be seeing everything, God, I mean, the, the conclusion of everything, all the, all the words that haven't been fulfilled yet, though many of them have, they'll be fulfilled then. And so something we learn about Jesus here is that he's, God has always been concerned with keeping his word. He keeps his word. So you should be familiar with his word and know what his word says because God says, I keep my word. If I said I was going to do it, I do it. And that's good and bad. That's positives and negatives. But if God said it, he's going to do it. He's going to bring it to pass. Now look at verse 8. As we switch gears, it says, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who sits on the sea and on the earth. Let me just stop right there. John is being told by, he's being told to go and take the little book which is open in the hand of this mighty angel. I want you to just pause yourself for a minute. Consider that you're John. What if you're getting this vision, you're seeing all these things. You see this mighty angel with authority and power with one foot on the sea and one foot on the land. He's standing there with a, a little book in his hand and God says, I want you to go get that book out of the angel's hand. I mean, I read it, I think, oh, that's, that's, I don't know if I want to go approach the angel. Every time in scriptures where someone saw an angel, their immediate response was fear. These are amazing creatures. These are not, they're not little fluffy white babies with with wings on the back of their backs or whatever. These are amazing creatures that God has created with divine purpose. And so he's told, I want you to go get that little book from the angel that's standing on the sea and the earth, verse nine. So I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. I want to know that John is obedient. <laughs> he goes right over, just goes over and says, man, give me that little book. To the angel, he does exactly what he's instructed to do. And then it says this, and he said to me, take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And so I was pondering this, right? It's, this is interesting. You know, whatever that book is, John is told, I want you to eat it. And after you eat it, It's going to be sweet in your mouth, but bitter in your stomach. And so there's another place in Scripture where something very similar to this takes place. And the results are very similar. So I thought that what we see in Ezekiel is going to give us insight to what we're reading here and what we should do with this. What do we do with this? What does that mean to us? Take the book, eat it. I mean, sweet in your mouth, bitter in your stomach. You know, what does that mean? What do we do with it? So, let me read the rest of this, and then we're going to we'll take a trip to Ezekiel and look at something. So, he was told to take it and eat it. He was told that it would be bitter in his stomach and sweet as honey in his mouth. Verse 10 says, Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it. And it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kingdoms. And so he was to eat the book. It was going to be sweet in his mouth, bitter in his stomach. And after all of this, he was going to go prophesy again. So keep a finger in Revelation chapter 10 and turn to Ezekiel chapter 3 with me. And so God told Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 3 something very similar. Let me read it to you. It says in verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 3, it says, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give to you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. And so Ezekiel is given a similar thing. He's told to eat a scroll. He was told to eat it up. And interesting that he was told to eat it. And then he was told that you're going to go speak to the house of Israel. And so then he obeyed. He opened his mouth. He ate the scroll and it was sweet in his mouth. But later on, we're told that there was a bitterness that came. I'm not going to read all of this, but three through 11, you know, he's given instruction. He's to go to an unfamiliar people They're going to be hard of speech, difficult language. God's going to give them a face that's strong against their faces. There's not going to be people that are welcoming the message. He's going to be preaching to difficult folks is what he's told. God's going to make his forehead, his face strong against their rebellious faces. And then it says in verse 12, it says, Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from this place. I also heard the noise of wings of the living creatures. These are the angels that touched one another, and the noise of the wheels beside them, and a great thunderous noise. Verse 14. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness, in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was upon me. And so this is what we get from Ezekiel's situation. He eats this scroll. God is sending him at a difficult time to a difficult people. And as he took in this scroll that was sweet initially, later on it brought about a bitterness, but it also, there was, a, you see, the working of the Holy Spirit that was moving Ezekiel to go speak anyway, to go minister anyway. He had a job to do at a difficult time. Now, come back to Revelation chapter 10, as God's plan is unfolding, things are as bad as they've ever been on the earth, God's judgment is rolling out and there's this little interlude where God is interacting with the Apostle John here and he's told to eat this scroll, take it and eat it. It's gonna be sweet in your mouth, but bitter to your stomach. And the last thing God says to him, verse 11, he said to me, you must prophesy again about many people's nations, tongues, and kings. And so this is what I believe we can take away from this. I believe that God's word to the believer is sweet. If you're a child of God, if you've been born again by the spirit of God, there are so many things the word of God tells us that are to you and to me, they're sweet. I know that my sins are washed away. I know that there's no condemnation to those of us that are in Christ Jesus on a bad day. I know that all things are working together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. I know when death knocks at my door that death is not the end for me. The death is how I enter into eternity with the Lord where there's no sorrow, no suffering, no pain, where in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so for the believer death is almost the best thing that will ever happen to us, although I'm hoping for rapture in my life. And so for the believer there's so many things that are just sweet us in the word. However, we live in a fallen world. I know more people that are not saved than that are saved. And the same word that is sweet to me when I read it, when I read a book like Revelation, I realize that people that don't know Christ are, they're going to suffer immensely because they don't know the Lord, because they've rejected Jesus as being Lord. That's bitter, when I know that there are loved ones that I know of and they don't know the Lord yet, and I know there's a hell, I know that if people die without Christ, there's a place of eternal judgment, that is a bitter thing. It's sweet to me that I know I'm not going. It's bitter over here when I think of, man, there are people that I care for and love, that right now if they died, that would be the reality. It's bittersweet. And so what should that move us to do, right? It moved Ezekiel To allow a work of the Holy Spirit in his life so much so that he would speak at a difficult time to a difficult people in the name of the Lord. And he was effective at what God had called him to do. Here in John, he said, look, God has given him this unique instruction and said, look, you must prophesy again. You're going to speak again my words about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings.
0: We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Revelation can seem like a long book to work through, but it's all in the attitude you approach it. If you look at it as something amazing and inspiring that God has gifted to you to understand Him better, it helps you see everything with a different lens. Revelation is cool. It's a mashup of all the best elements of a sci-fi movie, but in reality, It will bring an amazing resolution to all that's wrong in the world. Isn't that what we all want? Look at the book of Revelation with appreciation of who God is and that He's the one in control. If you'd like to listen to more teachings in Revelation, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you're wanting to connect with someone more personally about this ministry, go ahead and call or text us at 310-245-4811. We'd love to encourage you as you're seeking God for wisdom, insight, and understanding. So please pick up that phone and dial or text 310 245 4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this fascinating final book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more next time in the book of Revelation. Until then, remember who God has created you to be in this broken and fallen world. Don't lose heart and stay connected to a transforming word.